Welcome to All the Social Ladies, a podcast bringing you candid conversations with the boldest women in digital marketing. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and let's get into the show. Guys, when I'm looking at what Levi's is doing across the board, not even just in social, but with their social first elements that are based in social action, I am blown away. And a lot of that is the mastermind of Jennifer Say. She's the SVP and Chief Marketing Officer of Global Brands at Levi Strauss and & Company. And she has a lot to say about what it means to have social inspire action. Take a listen. Welcome, Jen, to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I've read a ton about you. I'm really interested to learn about what you feel are the three defining moments of your career. That is a really good question. I think the the number one, I, I have three. The, the first one I would say is um, in 2008, which is 10 years ago at this point, I had a book that came out. It's a memoir, so very yep. personal. And it was yep. about my life as an athlete, a gymnast, as a young person, a very serious athlete. Um, and the abuse of culture within the sport, which we now know has kind of been exposed through the Nasser scandal. Um, and so it was a very personal account. And I, um, when I wrote the book, you know, I didn't necessarily think it was going to get published. And then it did. And then it came out like right before the Olympics. And I was on like morning shows and stuff. And I'd, I kept it kind of a secret at work because I didn't want anyone to think I wasn't committed to my work mm. at Levi's. And I thought, well, if they know I'm pursuing all these other things outside of work, if there's an opportunity to get promoted, they'll, they'll pass me over. They'll go, well, what she really wants to do is this other thing. Yep. So let's just not lean into her. <laughs> and what I found, because it couldn't be kept a secret anymore when I was on Good Morning America, of course. is that the exact opposite happened is that I was sort of respected more so for my creativity, for my leadership, for my presence in general, for the way I thought about the world. And so it had the exact opposite effect of what I sort of thought would happen. And so 2008 for me, when the book came out, was an inflection point because it was like, if I can bring more of my whole self to work every day, I will be even better. If I can stop sort of segmenting who I am and be one thing in my personal life and another at work. So I kind of like merged all myself. And, you know, I've been much more effective, I would say, and much happier since yep. that happened. The second was really when I, there's two, two positions I took on that I really did not have the experience directly doing. So I led our e-commerce business. I'll use that as an example. It was the first time I ever managed functions that I'd never done myself. Like I couldn't do some of the jobs that yep. were in my organization. And so learning how to lead in that type of instance, you, you have to do that. And it's really, um, it's just a huge learning experience to be able to sort of create the conditions for people to be successful, to help them make good decisions, but to not say like, this is how you do that job. Yep. It's a totally different thing. And it's absolutely required from a leadership perspective. How do you, how do you do that when you're taking on an area that you don't directly know? It's not your, as you rise in your career, you will take on different areas and yep. functions that you don't, you didn't start from the ground That's up right. doing. What advice do you have for people who would do that? It's hard. You got to be very comfortable not knowing it. Mm -hmm. And you got to, definitely understand that the way to be able to manage it isn't to 
learn how to do it from the ground up. Mm. So you have to listen and be curious and not be panicked if you don't understand and learn to ask really good questions. And again, create the conditions where people can make the best possible decisions and then support them. Um, so it's a totally different skill set to learn, but it's absolutely required as you kind of move up in an organization. You know, think about if you're the CEO of a company, you haven't done every job absolutely. in that company. Um, so for me, that was a huge learning because up until that point, I'd been in marketing only roles and I sort of could kind of do all the jobs in my organization. Yep. I could say to someone, this is how you do that. Go do this. But it's been you know, a huge asset for me to have learned how to do that. Because now in marketing, even though that that's the field I came up in, it changes so frequently and so rapidly, I can't possibly know how to do it all myself. So even in my area of expertise, I don't really know how to do it all. Especially and because of how quickly it, quickly it changes. Exactly. It's two minutes later. I know even for me, when we came up in the social media space, social every media day. was very different from what it is now. It's every day. How, how you stay relevant and learn all of the new things without actually being the person who's in the weeds doing it, which of course is the best way to learn everything is when you're actually doing it, it's great. But in, in some instances, being in the weeds and doing it, you lose some perspective. You do. So I find there's real value in being able to sort of stay a little bit outside of it and maintain some objectivity and just learning to ask really good questions. Absolutely. And it helps you expand to take on things that you exactly. never would have before. Exactly. And, and then oh, sorry. one question for you, yeah. before you go into the third, I want yeah. to ask you about the first before I forget. If you had to do it again, would you not have kept it a secret? Would you have been more open about it earlier or would you have just let it come out when it all started to really overflow? It's a good question. I don't know. I mean, the end result was a positive one yep. regardless. And yep. so I don't know that it could have been any different. I didn't right. know what the result or the response was. You really didn't been. even know if it was going to get published. Too, well, and you didn't know that it was going to be as big of a hit as you. As yeah, I mean, I didn't tell anyone other yeah. than, you know, my husband, <laughs> no one knew I was writing a book wow. because I just sort of did it as my own, you know, project. I needed to write it. I needed yeah. to tell the story whether or not it got published. And so I certainly wasn't going to go around telling people at work. Right. But then even after I knew that it was coming out, I still didn't tell. Mm. Even after I knew I had a publisher, HarperCollins, mm. I still didn't tell anyone at work because I just thought they would think that I wasn't committed. I think it's not that dissimilar to how you know, you hear stories, women don't talk about their families right. at work, right? right? You don't want people to think that your attention is distracted. You're any less focused. Yeah. Right. And so it's not that dissimilar, mm. you know? I mean, I talk about my family too, but that's the point is in 2008, I realized like, you know the, what? I am better when my whole self comes here. Absolutely. It's a great, it's a great lesson. It's the, that's what I was asking because I think that for women who are coming up in the workforce, they don't always bring them their whole selves to work because they feel afraid to. And so I, I love that lesson. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a hundred percent confident that I'm way better now yep. and yep. way more energized and, and that the people at Levi's appreciate that I bring these outside interests yep. and, you know, an outside perspective and yep. that I have interests outside of genes. Absolutely. Um, that it makes me better at my job. The third one I would say is really just having been in this role as the CMO, the chief marketing officer for Levi's since about the middle of 2013. I think it's the first time I really have said to myself, I am not going to define this role by how it's defined in the market. I'm going to define what I think mm -hmm. the CMO of Levi's should be doing. And I mean, you know, there's certain jobs you can't do that when you're the assistant marketing manager. It gets defined for you by yep. the person that you work for and you have to deliver on that. And um, but I think, you know, for me, 
I do this job how I think it needs to be done. Um, and certainly there are basics that you have to deliver against, but you know, I, I think I bring more to it than that, or I try to. Um, and I really think that's been a huge part of what's driven the resurgence of Levi's and the incredible cultural relevance in addition to sales that we're experiencing right now. I, I'm not going to take full credit. It is, I have a team of like 400 people and I'm an awesome partner in product and we couldn't do this if we didn't have amazing product. But I think looking beyond the kind of boundaries of what the traditional role is to say, how do we make this brand, not just a great apparel brand, but um, a force in the world. Speaking of being a force in the world and being really relevant, Levi's really has not been shy about approaching social issues. I know that you recently launched the Vote campaign. Tell me a little bit about this and how this has impacted Levi's. Well, I think the important thing to remember is that Levi's Strauss and Company, which has been around um, as a company since 1853, and the Levi's brand was started in 1873 um, when we created actually the first pair of blue jeans. But we have never um, shied away from leading with our values yeah. um, and from being pioneers of progress. When Levi Strauss himself landed on the shores of California, the first thing he did was donate money to start an orphanage. In the 1960s, we desegregated factories in the South before we were legally required to do so. And in 1992, we offered same-sex partner benefits. We were the first Fortune 500 wow. company to do that. And that was way before marriage equality was even on the table for yep. discussion. So, you know, I cite just a few examples, but we have always led with our values and tried to do what's right um, for our employees and our and our consumers. Um, what we haven't done is talk about it, right? Because mm -hmm. that wasn't the way things were in the world. So now we know consumers want to know. They want to know um, what brands stand for. And so that's really the only difference now in the last you know few years is that we're much more um, overt and public about talking about that because consumers want to hear it. They want transparency. Um, and so, you know, for us, having recently launched this vote campaign, it was sort of a no brainer. Our brand, um, what we hear from consumers when we travel around the world, what the brand really stands for is authentic self-expression, yep. authentic self-expression. So from our perspective, there is nothing pure in terms of self-expression than your vote. And what's really upsetting to me personally, and I think we should all be concerned about this, is in the last election in 2016, 40% of the eligible electorate did not vote. It's one of the lowest turnouts of any developed nation. Yep. And it's not a democracy if everyone's not participating. Yep. And so we just felt as a brand that stands for authentic self-expression, we had a right to communicate in this territory. It is bigger than an ad, though the ad itself is um, we're very proud of. Yes. Um, the intention with the ad, the, the film, is to just inspire people to go to the polls and to avail themselves of this hard-won right. Yep. Um, but it's been a lot more than that. We are registering people to vote in stores. Um, we are giving our employees paid time off to help people register to vote. It goes on and on and on. Uh, we're partnering with organizations like Headcount and Rock the Vote to help educate young people um, on the issues so they can vote in an informed fashion. Um, and there, there's a ton more than that, but those are just some of the examples. So for us, it is more than just paid media. It's more than an ad. It's, it's really being committed to this idea of getting people to show up at the polls um, this November 6th. It's really showing what you stand for. It's more than just an advertisement. You've made it a full movement within. You've done the same thing also gun violence. I know that the company has taken a stand on as well. Was that a different approach? That one's slightly different in that we don't have paid advertising right. behind it. And that arose 
out of a, a accident in one of our stores um, a little over a year ago where a gun was accidentally fired in one oh. of our Levi's stores. And at that point, we felt, okay, this now directly affects us and it directly affects our employees. And so our CEO issued a statement asking that people not bring guns in our stores. Yep. In some circles, it was sort of perceived as anti-Second Amendment. He's been very clear from the beginning that we are not you know, oppose. We're not looking to ban the Second yep. Amendment. We just want common sense gun safety. We want people in our stores, both consumers as well as sales associates to feel safe. And so that was sort of our first foray into this very challenging, uh, very heated debate. Um, and then after um, the shooting in uh, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, we yep. began to have more intense discussions about about this. And yep. I think at the end of the day, we feel like, you know, the, the issue of equality has been one that we've stood behind, whether it's LGBTQ equality or women's equality for a very long time. And I think fundamentally for us, the the ability and the right to feel safe in your community and in your school um, is fundamentally an issue of equality. We should all have the right to feel safe in our communities. And so it made sense for us to um, to get involved, you know, and this is I, I, you know, probably the number one issue for millennials and Gen Z right now. And that's our constituency. You know, those are our consumers. And we've had people in our own company, employees affected by this beyond the sales associates. A member of my team, her husband was in the YouTube building when there was an active oh, shooter loose. Yeah. And so, you know, again, when it starts to affect our, affect our employees, when our children are having, you know, drills in school, what do you do if there's an active shooter on the loose? This is affecting us, everyone. Um, and so we have pledged to donate over a million dollars to organizations fighting for gun safety. And that's it. It's not um, an advertising campaign. Yep. It's uh, funded by uh, the company. And we're committed to it. We're not looking to, to ban guns. We just want common sense gun safety legislation. There's something to be said about brands today taking a stand in the way that they hadn't previously as publicly, or like you said, you might've taken a stand, but maybe not talked about it quite as much. Yeah. And the data shows that a majority of consumers think it's important for brands to take a stand on political and social issues and specifically do so on social media. Talk to me about how you've used social media to show how you've been taking a stand and, and what you think are best practices for maybe some of our marketers that are listening saying, how can we use social media to take a stand on some of these issues? I mean, it's our first point of connection, really. So um, when we launch these sorts of efforts and these sorts of campaigns, that's generally where we start. We don't usually launch, you know, an ad for the first time on television. When we launched our Circles campaign uh, about a year and a half ago, which is all about the idea of, you know, sort of celebrating this idea that our differences connect us. You know, we live in a world that's more divided than ever. Yes. And we sort of felt that Levi's is this amazing analogy for the idea that, we can all be different, but we are all connected. Yep. Everyone wears Levi's. Cowboys wear Levi's. Hipster kids wear Levi's. Minivan moms wear Levi's. And we all wear them in a different way, but we're all connected in that idea of wanting to be our most authentic selves in our Levi's. So we did an ad that's all about this notion of connectedness through difference. We launched it on YouTube. We launched it in social media. Um, and we quickly hit over 20 million views. I, I mean, I think it was like in under two weeks. It was yep. one of the most viewed ads on yep. YouTube. So um, that's not to say it didn't run in TV. And it certainly ran on TV and in cinema. But we launched it in the social space. And so it's our sort of first point of connection. And I think more importantly, it's also the consumer's first point of connection. So it's also where we can engage in a conversation with them 
this all sounds so obvious, but that's obviously one of the valuable things about it is, you know, when we put that ad circles into the world, there was some concern that it would be really controversial. We were monitoring very carefully in the social yep. space and we were totally fine with a little bit of yep. a controversy, but we were able to see like, what is it that people are taking away from this without doing traditional research? You know, yep. we were able to see very quickly yep. uh, what the response was and then build on that based on questions they were asking. So it's not just that it's our first place to connect with consumers, but it's the way they can actually have a dialogue with you, which is was not possible in the past. You know, so for us, that's kind of high level, at least the point. But we always look at it as, you know, the first place to start that conversation. One of the things that I love about social media and about what you said is it's true that everyone wears Levi's. And with social media, you're able to really target and talk to a cowboy differently than you might a soccer mom, differently than you might any any one of these potential targets. You can have messages that feel like they're really tailored to them. And that that I love too. Yes, we and we are very targeted, but at the same time, there's a consistent thread. Um, so we are Levi's. Uh, yeah. No, no matter what, we don't want there to be inconsistency in our in our message. Um, we want to make sure there's consistency. Otherwise, you know, the world is too. Oh, it, the, transparency is, is a given. If if we didn't match and we were inconsistent in yeah. the messages we put forward to maybe our more traditional consumer versus the more, you know, younger, edgy, that the world would know. So the message for you is consistent no matter who you're talking to. In terms of our values. Yeah. Now we might tailor a product message yep. differently. Yep. So we might tailor a 501 to one guy, but a taper gene to but another guy. But the message guy. is the same. But yeah, we don't... Um, Yes, it's the same. We lead with our values. So one of the ways that a brand that appeals to multiple targets can approach it is really just to start and stick with the values. I mean, I think you have to. Otherwise, you're not really standing for anything. Mm -hmm. When you're coming out with something where you're taking a stand, which I think is really what resonates with so many consumers, as evidenced by the research, as evidenced by what's out in the news today and what really uh, are moving brands, have you ever come out with something and taken a stand on something and then gotten such pushback that you have to change? We do sort of anticipate mm -hmm. when there will be pushback and when, when there will be um, some noise, but we do such due diligence ahead of time. And again, we're leading with our values. Um, we view ourselves as you know pioneers of, of progress in a sense. And so Recanting is not really an option if we believe in the message. Now, there has been there have been times where the the blowback has been big. You know, in yeah. the early '90s, we defunded the Boy Scouts when they said that you could not be gay and be a scout leader. That mm -hmm. absolutely had an impact on our business. We did not recant. It was the right thing to do. So, you know, there are times when taking a stance can have adverse um, have an adverse impact in the short term. But we believe in the long term, not only is it the right thing to do, but it will create a deeper um, affinity and brand love. You know, the last two examples that we've talked about voting, that's utterly nonpartisan. Right. It's about participation. If you see that as partisan, I, I'm not sure what to say to you. Yep. This is about yep. everybody exercising their right to vote. Yep. Um, we would argue, and um, I would state affirmatively that 70% of the country favors common sense gun safety legislation. We want our children to be safe. We want to feel that we can go uh, send our kids to school, go to a movie and be safe. safe. That is nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. uh, if 70%, nearly 70% of the country supports it, that runs across party lines. So, you know, we don't take a stance that favors one party or the other. This is about serving our customers, protecting our employees and 
participating in issues that, that they care about. I love it. Jen, we're going into the lightning round. I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. First thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. If you could only use one social network for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? For me personally or for Levi's? Well, now I want both. But originally it was for you personally. It's probably the same. I shouldn't have asked that question. Um, Instagram. (laughs) Instagram. Instagram. For both. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What woman do you admire most in the world? Right now, Christine Blasey Ford. You bet. You bet. Um, what is the best last tweet you've read? What's the last, well, most recent tweet you've read? That's so I am a big Twitter fan. I'm not answering this in a short way. I, I use it mostly as a news feed. <laughs> yep. I've been really loving Alyssa Milano lately Love. and everything she's saying. Love. But my, one of my favorite tweeters is someone you will not have heard of. His name is Jacob Den Hollander, and he is the husband of Rachel Den Hollander, who was the first victim of Larry Nassar to go public. Aww. And her husband is amazing and he's hilarious and he's so awesome and he just supports her so wholly. And he tweeted, this is a while ago, but he tweeted um, about how offended he was that people were writing him saying, it's so awesome how you support your wife. And he was like, that's really sexist. Nobody says to women who support their husbands, it's so awesome it's that so you support awesome. your husband. And I just love him. You so. love him. I love Jacob Den Hollander. I'm going to go follow him right now. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. I so admire what Levi's does and what you do to set the tone for the organization. It's really incredible. Thank you for having me. That was all the social ladies. Don't miss new episodes every week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media and author of Work It! Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. Follow me, at Carrie Kirpin, everywhere. And for more social smarts, be sure to follow Likeable, at Likeable Media. Thanks for listening. 